the first source of the sheet are very familiar psukim. <coughs> we say them every day of the year. These are the psukim that come before Shirat Hayam in the Parashah Vishalach. The Jews were redeemed from the hand of Mitzrayim on that day. And they saw the Egyptians were dead on the edges of the, the seashore. Okay. So, there's something to say about that. There's something to say about that. Rashi, Rashi points out Rashi doesn't like anthropomorphisms. Not as much as Unculus doesn't like them, but he also doesn't like them. I mean, nobody likes them. A lot. Um, the Ramban, right, if we talk in terms of the Mikraut Gidolot, for the Ramban there was a term because from the Parshanut point of view, um, the Ramban noticed that the anthropomorphisms are not always the same. Sometimes God has a Yad, and sometimes he has his Roa, and sometimes he has Kaas. And because of that, because of that, the Ramban, following the lead of Kabbalists, I'm a little nervous now when I say anything about Kabbalah, because Iris is here but, but I'll take a chance I'll take a chance the, the, the Kabbalists even before the Ramban uh, noticed this and thought that it was an important literary fact and they would have to distinguish when why the Torah in some places calls it the Yad and sometimes the Etzma and sometimes the Zroa and they were able to make distinctions able to make distinctions Rashi did not do that he wasn't so advanced in that particular area but the Yad Agdola Rashi says that Agvura Agdola it's not Yad it's sort of like modifying it a little bit making it easier for us to put up with and, and not only is the word Yad meaningless but you could substitute for Yad many other things and relate them somehow to God in modern parlance in modern parlance you might say if there is something ineffable I know exactly what that word means but it's a good word ineffable it's not you can't really say anything about it so then you can you say something anyway in, in other words all we have is Lashon B'nai Adam that's all we have the language that we use where we talk about things we've experienced so what if we want to talk about something we haven't experienced or whose experience is unclear to us we use the same words I mean, we don't, there's no way to distinguish so that the word Yad we use the word Yad because we have to use a word not because it doesn't mean that God has a hand or that the hand of God did something it's rather that we are at a loss there is no language for, uh, for uh, relating relating the experience of the divine except the language of experiencing the human 
So, so that's it. I mean, what are we going to do? That's what. That's basically what Rashi says. yad. yad And they all mean yad. So someone who comes to explain the pasuk will explain it in a way that's reasonable, de-emphasizing the word yad and emphasizing that it is the power of God somehow that that did this. So again, the difference between the Kabbalists and the non-Kabbalists, to my mind, is that the Kabbalists internally distinguish why the Torah sometimes says one word and sometimes another word. The rationalists, who are supposedly led by Unculus, at least according to the Ramban, the rationalists said, well, it's all the same. You can translate it one way, you can translate it another way. It doesn't really make any difference. Even though translations in those days had to be literal. Being literal was a very important part of translate, translating, because after all, you want to connect people back to the Torah. You don't want to just give them the idea. That's not a translation. Maybe in modernity, that could be a translation. Like the modern translations of the Bible, I mean, modern, modern, not JPS, but really modern translations of the Bible, you don't always recognize what it's talking about. So the, the, the ancient translators wouldn't have that. But it's the second pasuk which really interests me. The one that Rashi doesn't comment on. I'm sorry, it's the end of the second pasuk. Okay, they had Yirat Hashem. They realized God was powerful, strong, could do almost anything in the world that they could imagine. And then it says this. It's, it's hard to imagine what this might mean. Vayaminu Bashem. Okay, I don't know what that means, but it makes sense in the context. They believed in God. So they believed in God about something. They had to, like, what was the something? The person doesn't tell us. But they, they achieved some level of faith, belief, acceptance that God would in fact keep the promise the promise to Avram Avinu for example but what does Uva Moshe Avdo mean after all they are now in Yamsuf having crossed Yamsuf what is it that Moshe Rabbeinu what is it that Moshe Rabbeinu pressed them with that they believed in Moshe Rabbeinu now this question demands of us a review some, some review of of things that we already know. So if you look at the at Shemot Peret Gimel, if you look at Shemot Peret Gimel, we have the story of the confrontation between God and Moshe Rabbeinu and the discussion that they had when HaKadosh Baruch Hu was charging Moshe Rabbeinu with leadership. So you're going to go and lead them. So it says, So if we were doing Parshanut, we would say, this is important. This is an important, an important thing. He sent me to you. Door. Okay, this could either be written off as a phrase, of which there are parallels in Eucharistic or something, or it has some meaning that God said, Zeh Shmi 
and then door door forever and ever. But again, this is not the the main uh, uh, focus of our attention. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Lechvah Safta Etzik Bei Yisrael Vamata Lehem Hashem Elokeh Vatechem Nir Eilai Elohei Abraham Yisak V'yakov Leimor Pakol Pakadati Etchem I remember you V'etasui Lechem in Mitzrayim Moshe Rabbeinu is going to say to B'nai Yisrael, Who am I? He's going to introduce himself. God appeared to me and God told me and God sent me and here I'm telling you all of this. Vayomer, vaomar, sorry, vaomar, alet, chem only mitzrayim el eretz, akinani yechidiyam al ribi puziv achibi ayusi el eretz, zavat chalavadvash. I'm going to take you out of this miserable place that you're in and bring you to a land flowing with milk and honey. Right? And gas. Pasuk, uh, pasuk 18. Vishamu likolecha. You see that? The most important two words that interest us right now. It's a promise. God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, they're going to listen to you, just, just tell them what I tell you. so you just tell Paro, we're going for three days. That's another mystery. Why should we tell Paro we're going for three days? Why don't we just tell Paro we're leaving? After all, we have God's power behind us. Okay, a problem. It's a problem, but it's not a problem that we're dealing with at the moment. I just want to say that, uh, you know, if you ignore things intelligently, it's better. So don't imagine that this is not a problem. It is a problem. My hand. Then he will send you. Remember, we talked about this last week. Chain is a word, right? It doesn't have a, a meaning that we can kind of grab onto too easily, but it's a possible, it's a positive word, a special word. Benoach, matzachen, right? Natatet chain. There's something about that word, chain. Ha'am hazeh be'nei Mitzrayim v'yakitel v'chulot v'chulekam, and you're not going to go empty-handed. V'shala isha mishchenta, mystery. Why do they have to borrow? They just beat down Makat Becharot. They killed every firstborn, not they, but God killed every firstborn in Mitzrayim. The, the Egyptians have never been in worse shape. But why do we have to go and borrow? I mean, who are we fool? We're not coming back. We're going to bring any of this stuff back to them. But it says in the Pasuk, Shalai Migarat al that's what it says that's what the Pasuk says and now what are all these Pasuk what does it say in this Pasuk these are the words that God said to Moshe Rabbeinu the description that God said, gave to Moshe Rabbeinu said you're the winning hand you have God behind you Everything will work out. 
Not only will you leave Mitzrayim, but you'll leave with untold riches. The wealth of Mitzrayim will be yours when you leave, when you leave Mitzrayim. Um, I just wanted to... Uh, See Pasuk Yudchet in the, in the Rashi? Remember, this is the mystery Pasuk. That's what God says to Moshe Rabbeinu. They will listen to you. So the way we understand the Torah, the way we understand the Torah, I mean, you could understand it perhaps in different ways. If God says that Vishamu Bekolecha, then they're supposed to Vishamu Bekolecha. It's not like maybe it will happen. This is the way we read uh, the Chumash. Maybe somebody could read it differently. It doesn't matter. But we want to read it that way. That God says, V'shavu l'kolecha. So Rashi, Rashi pasuk yudchet, Rashi, V'shavu l'kolecha, me'alehem. Me'alehem. On their own. We won't have to force them. They're going to listen to you. Why would they listen to you according to Rashi? Because one, if you tell them the words that I have told you, Pasuk Yud Zayin, right? Pasuk Tet Zayin. Tell them, Madalehem, Hashem Elokei Avotechem, Nira Elai Elokei Abraham Elokei Yitzchak Elokei Yaakov Leimor. If I tell you that I am leading the fulfillment of the promise to Avram, to Yitzchak, to Yaakov, then they will listen to you. Back to Rashi. Since you will speak to them with my words, and tell them that you represent Avram and Yitzhak and Yaakov and the promise to them, etc. They will listen. They already know that this is the language of Gula. Yaakov Amar. There's this idea of which means that God remembers you, that God is is fulfilling a promise. So I say it reminds me. It reminds me. Remember the Ramban? The Ramban Brashit Barak Yudbet. The Ramban says the Ramban says um, Maaseh, everything in Breshit, all the stories in Breshit of the Avot, Maaseh Avot, Siman Lebanim. That's what the Ramban says. But the way the Ramban, those words, those words are hard to understand. If something happened to the Avot, so it could happen to the Banim. Not quite that way. The Avot ensure the result that will take place for the Banim. So that if if Avraham, Vayhira Av Ba'aretz, Perik Yud Bet, Breshit Perik Yud Bet, Vayhira Av Ba'aretz, as a result of the Ra'av Ba'aretz, Avraham does a totally crazy thing. 
he decides to go to Mitzrayim. Why is it totally crazy? If God told Avram to go to Canaan, and that's where he's going to live, so who cares if there's If God could feed the Jews in the desert with man for 40 years, don't you think he could get sandwiches for Avraham? Avinu with Eretz Yisrael. Why did Avraham Avinu go to Eretz? Why did he go? Why did he go? Then the second crazy thing about the story is that he had so little faith in God's ability to protect him that he forced his wife, whose name at the time was Sarai, to lie and to say she was his sister and not his wife in order that the Egyptians should not kill him. As a result of which, as a result of which, the Egyptian king and others perhaps with him were afflicted right, by div- a divine punishment for taking Sarai. This, I'm just telling the story. This is the story. They were afflicted. And finally, Abraham, his entourage, is chased out of Egypt, but not before they get flocks large animals, small animals and whatever else they might have in Egypt together and Avram Avinu came back so if you, the Ramban does not comment on the story he does comment on the fact that Avram Avinu may have made a mistake he says uh, those are the words of the Ramban I mean if that's correct it's like really odd Really odd thing that the Rabban said. But if we take the principle Masa Avotsimana Banim, who what is happening? Well, it's a prelude to the slavery of the Jews in Mitzrayim and getting chased out of Mitzrayim with with a lot of stuff. Yes, you would agree to that? You have to agree. I'm so enthusiastic about it. You don't have much of a choice. So this is what the Rabban would say. The Rabban would say that what, what was Avram Avinu doing? Why did he go to Mitzrayim? Well, why did Avram Avinu go to Shechem? Remember Shechem, when he came to Eretz Yisrael, he went to write, write to Shechem, and what did Rashi say? He went to Davin because he knew that his great-great-grandchildren, right? Great-great-grandchildren, Shimon, Levi, would fight in Shechem to protect the honor of their sister Dina. Right? And that would be a difficult time. So Avinu went to Shechem to ensure that the victory of Shimon Levi would be as easy a victory as was possible at Daven on their behalf. That's what, that's what Avinu did according to Rashi. What did Avinu do when he went to Mitzrayim? Why did he go to Mitzrayim? According to this Ramban, this principle in the Ramban that, that everything preludes everything else, that everything that happens is going to happen again in the, like on a bigger screen, on a bigger stage, because Avram Avinu wanted to leave Mitzrayim. That's what he wanted. He wanted to make sure that his descendants would be able to leave in a more pleasant way, and that the affliction would be imposed upon the Egyptians. So Avravidu went down and he did this crazy thing in order that the Egyptians should be punished, though the Egyptians should be punished, so that the Jews would be able to, that he, he would be able to leave the tribe, and so this was a kind of a way of saying, I want to make sure that there were no hitches 
in the promise that God gave to my to me about my great grandchildren. In other words, not that God won't keep God's promise, but it's rather that it's rather that uh, things can mess up a promise. Even even uh, we can mess up a divine promise if we're not worthy of it. You have to be a little bit worthy of, of being redeemed in order to be redeemed. So Abravidi was worried. He was worried about what would happen to his children in in uh, in Egypt, which was the capital city of Avodazara in those days, at least according to the Chazal conception of things. So Vishamulikolecha. Rashi says, Rashi says, they're going to recognize you as being the inheritor of the mantle of Avram and Yitzhak and Yaakov. And what do Avram, Yitzhak and Yaakov have to do all of this? Well, Avraham went to Mitzrayim and came back. Yitzhak went to Mitzrayim and came, well, he was on his way to Mitzrayim. He only went to the land of the Plishtim, but it was sort of a kind of a chutzlaret. Because the land of the Plishtim was never conquered. It was not conquered by David HaMelech either. So Asa has always been a problem as the land of the Plishtim. So Abraham went to Mitzrayim and came back. Yitzchak went to the land, wanted to go to Mitzrayim. He wanted to emulate his father. But God said, don't leave Eretz Yisrael. But he left the political Eretz Yisrael. He went to the land of he went to the land of Mitzrayim. So that's what Vishav Ubikolecha means according to Rashi. They will listen to you because they will recognize you as as the uh, the follower of the promise to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Having said all of that, let's look at the Chumash on Perik Dalit. You see the Chumash on Perik Dalit? Aleph. What? Here. Vayan Moshe Vayomer Vehein Lo Yaminu Li. What do you think of that? Vehein Lo Yaminu Li. In in other words, he doesn't disagree. What would disagreement mean if we're reading the Chumash correctly, or we're reading it at all? What would disagreement if Moshe Rabbeinu disagreed with what God said to him somehow? I mean, if you could disagree. So, if Moshe Rabbeinu could disagree, what should he have said? He should have said. After all, that was the promise that God made to Avraham Avinu, was it not? That they will listen to him. So if Moshe Rabbeinu thought that they wouldn't listen to him, he should have said, they won't listen to him. They won't listen to me. But he didn't say that. He said, In other words... As I understand it, you can read it this way. What he is doing is he, Moshe Rabbeinu, is injecting a new element. It's like he's saying, okay, now listen to me. Okay, they'll, they'll, they'll do what I tell them. Okay, you will be able to take them out of the tribe. This is a problem that Moshe Rabbeinu brought up, which God did not address, so to speak. Right? The lo yishmu comes after the lo yaminu. And they will say that God did not appear to you. So Rashi says that they will get it with the code 
There's a code. Pakol Yifkad. What you said to Avram Avinu, that's what, that's what I, Moshe Rabbeinu, am saying. But Moshe Rabbeinu himself is saying, You don't really know the code. And then, Serub Sukim later, God says, Okay, Lemanya Minu, Kinerel Hashem, Gerdel Ravavon Sokri Akov, Pasukhet. I mean, the dots, that that means they're missing material. Vayayim lo yaminu lecha, velo yishminu lechol. Ha'ot ha'rishon, ve'aminu lechol ha'ot ha'acharon. So here's Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu says, God says, they're going to listen to you. And I'm going to bring all these makot ha'mitzrayim. Moshe Rabbeinu said, lo yaminu, they're not going to believe me. So God said, okay, we'll do a couple of little miracles first. We'll start it off with uh, junior-sized miracles. We'll take the matet, the staff, put your hand into your cloak, it'll come out as leprosy. Not only that, God says that, even if they don't listen to the first makkah, the first base, which is really uh, like a, seems like a kind of minor, little miracle compared to the miracles of the ten plagues. So then put your hand in and come, it'll come out uh, uh, leprous, and then they'll believe you. Why will they believe you? Well, what, 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 what sort of sense do you have? Because, because he puts his hand in, how comes he's going to believe? They'll believe him that he's going to take them out of Mitzrayim. So if you look at this Rashi, Eminu Nikola Otacharon, they will believe the second Ot. Kishetomalahem Bishvilchem Lakiti. If you say to them, you take your hand out of out of your cloak, and it's leprous, and everybody knows that saraat is the punishment for shon hara, and Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu will say to them, look at this, I'm being punished. For the Lashon Hara, I said about you, B'nai Yisrael, that you're not going to listen. Right? I'm being punished for that. Yaminu lecha, then they will believe you. Shekvar lamdu vekarsha mizdavgin lahara lahem lokim b'negaim. He says, that was the missing piece of the story of Avram Avinu. That Avravinu, the people who wanted to do him in, they were punished. The king was punished by becoming Nigaim. He, he, was, he was afflicted. The king was afflicted. So when Moshe Rabbeinu presented this, his words to B'nai Yisrael, his Rashi, the people were not sure about Moshe Rabbeinu. Because in the story, there was no great person who was afflicted personally, as an individual. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, and I am afflicted because I spoke ill of B'nai Yisrael. So B'nai Yisrael, so then Rashi says, right? He says, Yaminu lecha, then they will believe you. Shekvar lamdu b'kasha b'zdavgin l'hara lahem lokim b'negaim. They already knew that whoever comes upon the Jew and tries to do him in will himself be punished 
by these Nigaim. So either Rashi is helpful or is not helpful. I don't understand. You mean if Moshe Rabbeinu says, I spoke to God and God told me this, and then they say, mm, maybe you did, maybe you didn't, and then he becomes leprous in, in his arm, he takes out of his thoughts, and then they will believe him? Right? There's something here, there's something here that is, uh, that is hard to understand. Let's say hard to understand. Okay. So I wanted, I wanted to uh, show you, share with you, show you something that Rav Nassim wrote. Rav Nassim was the, uh, the Boswell of Rav Nachman. <laughs> Rav Nachman. And, uh, and Rav Nassim, besides writing all of the Torah of Rav Nachman of Braslow, he also wrote a book. Uh, which is published today uh, by Bratzlovers in ten volumes. So it's like more than a book. It's like a lot of books. And uh, I think I told you the story. Rav Nassim was working, learning, working, writing up the Torah of Rav Nachman. And, uh, and it was Erev Pesach. And he went to the Rebbe. He went to Rav Nachman. He said, I feel that I would like to write a Torah of my own. But I'm not going to do it if the Rebbe doesn't give me permission. So would you, Rav Nachman, give me permission to write a Torah? So Rav Nachman said, yeah, well, I'll give you permission. But before you do that, I want you to review Torah. Torah Shebechtav. Talmud Bavli, Talmud Yerushalmi, Shulchan Aruch, and the Zohar, and all, Kab- all the Kabbalistic works that we happen to have at hand. That's Rav Nachman. He says, after you do that, you come and tell me, and then I'll tell- let you write your own Torah. So it was Erev Pesach that this discussion took place. And then Rav Nassim writes, like, in complete naivete, he said, and I went to see the Rebbe again on Erev Shavuos, having completed his charge to me. So it means from Pesach to Shavuos, he went through the entire Torah, as you know, including Kabbalah. Torah, Bechtav, Baal Peh, Pavli, Yushalmi, Shulchanor, Beforeshe, and the Zohar, and Cognate, Cognate works. So he was certainly pretty smart. You know, he knew all this. He knew all this stuff. I mean, you could, you know, Rav Kuk, when Rav Kuk was in Volozhin, Kuk was in Volozhin for a year. When he was in Volozhin, he had a Seder Bikiyut. So, you know, today in the Yeshiva, Bikiyut means you learn 30 lines a day instead of 10 lines. That's called Bikiyut. So, Rav Kuk had a Seder in Bikiyut where he learned 60 Dat Gemara a day. 60 Davgimar a day. And I always said, I always thought to myself, you know, it, it was easy for him because he knew it. He says, if you know it already, then it's no big deal to just turn the pages. It's only if you don't know it that it's a, pro- it's a problem. So Rav Nassim knew it. And he didn't have any problem turning the pages. So Rav Nassim wrote this book called Likute Halachot. Likutei Halachot, which tries to integrate 
all of the Shulchan Aruch, all the topics in the Shulchan Aruch, with the Torah, a Rav Nachman Abratzman. Right? You would see, like they're from two different worlds, like the, the Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch, the Tzalacha. And Rav Nachman Abratzman wrote Torah that are ideas. And yet, somehow, Rav Nachman does it. It's really wonderful. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a relief, actually. Okay. He called here. We'll start from the last words on the third line. So this is that you see if you look at the at the heading, you see Bikute Halachot, then it says Khoshin Mishpat, which is one of the four parts of the Shulchan Aruch. Hilchot Pikadon. And then it's divided into essays. Each essay is called the Halacha. So this is Halacha Hey, but uh, letter Zion in the Halacha. So Halacha refers to Shulchan Aruch, but it's really not Shulchan Aruch at all. It's more. So we will go into the Halacha. We'll start with the, the last two words on the third line. Kigalut Mitzrayim, Hayal Yidei Chait Adam Arishon Kiyadua Shepagam Ve'Emunah. Now this is a hard uh, sentence to understand. The first part of it, okay. I mean, Adam Arishon uh, sinned. So when Adam Rishon sinned, it was like the entire universe sinned. There wasn't anybody else. There was just him. And he sinned. Uh, but what this means when he says, Pagam ve'emunah kamuva. So that means it's someplace in the Kabbalah that Adam Rishon blemished faith. Faith in God. Now that's hard to imagine. I mean, how could Adam Rishon have a problem with faith? He, he, he conversed with God regularly. I mean, that was his, uh, you know, his companion. God was his companion in Gan Eden, and then after he left Gan Eden. Well, what's the Pigam Be'emunah? So we'll have to understand. Ikara Pigam. Ayabibchinat Emunat Chachamim. He says the blemish that Adam Arishon created was a blemish in emunat chachamim. Now, emunat chachamim means something different than what we might think it means today. So let, let him explain what he means. Emunat chachamim means belief in the chachamim. But we'll see what he's talking about. Yavo pishu nivra yechidi velo hayu azadayin chachamim ba'olam Even though Adam Rishon, he was the only person, right? He was the only person there. And there were no Chachamim in the world. There was no Chochmah. Ki in Hulevado. He was the only one. And he was a Chacham. Avo Pichay, Ayat Sarich Biyoter, Lemunat Chachamim. Nevertheless, in spite of that, the nature of man was that he had a need for this Emunat Chachamim, which he still hasn't explained to us. But, listen, the Hainu Lehaamin Be'atzmo. That's what Emunat Chachamim is. That he believes in himself. Can you imagine that? That sounds like a, uh, like a, just a mistake, a computer mistake. They put two lines together incorrectly. But no, he says Emunat Chachamim is a person able to believe in himself. And since Adam HaRishon, Adam HaRishon was there himself, it now becomes possible for his hate to be a pigam in emunat chachamim, even though we don't quite understand yet what that means. But ge- geometrically, 
it's possible. Because Hainu Lamin Batsmoh, whoever Behatorah now, the reference to Rav Nachman, Sheema Minim Batsmoh, who Bechinat Pigam Emunat Chachamim. If you don't believe in yourself, then it's a blemish in Emunat Chachamim. He's referencing the book, the Rav Nachman book of Torot, Al Pasuk Mikotzeruach Me'avodakasha. Kotzeruach Avodakasha, there was a description of B'nai Yisrael and Mitzrayim who did not believe that they were actually being uh, uh, freed. Ki im adam ha'amin ba'atzmo, shenishvato gavom ma'od ma'od, so that if a person he says, he says, he says, what is that munat chachamim? How how the words fit in to the to the answer? We'll see in a moment. But munat chachamim, according to the Ramban, means the belief that you are able to soar above the mundane and to connect yourself with the rebellious Lord. That's what munat chachamim is. And since Adam Arishon, even though he was one person in the world, he should have either had it or he didn't have it. Right, he either had it or didn't. So he didn't have it because Adam Arishon, when when he'll, he'll say that when the woman when Chava came and said, "Well, maybe that's not what he said," so he had doubts. He didn't believe in himself. He didn't believe that he could accurately report what God spoke to him about. So he didn't have emunat chachamim. He didn't have emunat chachamim. Now I'm going on, right? Befrat Adam Arishon going back a line. In other words, uh, in other words, what's emunat chachamim? A person, a person, each person has the ability, as I said, to soar to God, to be with uh, the Spirit of God. But sometimes you need to look at somebody who you think has that, has that emunat chachamim. And that, in other words, emunah, emunah is, you know, Rav Nachman was very big on emunah, on, 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 on simple, simple faith, without philosophy, without guile, just simple faith. That's what he thought uh, uh, the, the answer to the question was. You have to have faith. But in order to have that simple faith, you need, um, that's, you know, Number one, simple faith. But then there's number two. Number two is that you're able to look at somebody. And that looking, 
that feeling that you have when you look at that person encourages you to soar, to be that way, to find that strength within yourself, not to become, not to become enslaved to that person, that holy person, but to rather be uh, engaged by him. Uh, like it becomes possible for you to be that way because you see that he is that way. So that is the uh, the first level or the highest level is faith in God, neto. The next level is called emunat chachamim, according to Rav Nosson. That's what emunat chachamim is. And the third level is emunat atzmo. But emunat atzmo doesn't usually come to a person if he doesn't have emunat chachamim. But for Adam Arishon, whose only option was emunat atzmo, we saw that he was not able to live up to that standard. He was not able, he was not able, he sinned. He wasn't sure. He wasn't sure. God told him, don't eat. And he said, I'm not sure. And he longed on what God said. And he said, don't touch, don't eat. That's like he, he, he was mivulbao. He was mivulbao. So he didn't have emunat atzmo. He lost the capacity to think that he, Adam Arishon, would be very certain about his relationship to God. He lost that. And having lost that, having lost that, because he was the only person in the world, he didn't have them without Chachamin to save him. There was nobody who around who could save him at that time. So now go, Ki Bechol Echad Mi Yisrael, he says, Yesh Tova, Shehu Bechinat Tzadik, every single Jew can be a Tzadik. He has to believe that whatever effort he puts in, whatever learning he does, no matter how uh, trivial it seems to him, I mean, this is like 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 Hasidut um, uh, on a certain level. It's just like, you know, we know you're not the Gadol Hador. We know that you're not learning Torah exclusively. We know that you can't do it exactly the way uh, uh, we dream to do it. But God loves you for using that spark of sanctity within you, even if it's only a little bit. Befrat Mashiach Zachalit Karev Tzadikim Furthermore, this idea of emunat chachamim, of coming close to chachamim, who are able to do what you can do, can encourage you to do a little bit more. He says, this is yakarma This is very, very um, uh, dear. Very dear to Hashem. Ki afilu im yamin b'ashem yitbarach v'tzadikim u'b'chaveirav ha'kesherim she'kulam tzadikim avalino ma'amin ba'atzmo. He says, even if a person, listen to this, a person believes that these tzadikim are really tzadikim and they're all close to God and they're all davening, is, is the greatest davening that ever took place. But he doesn't believe in himself. He doesn't believe that he can be part of that. He doesn't believe he can be part of that. Maod 
That's the pagam, that's the blemish in this notion of Amunat Chachamim. The reason that there is Amunat Chachamim is to encourage you to feel that way about yourself. But if you don't feel that way about yourself, you look at these Chachamim, you say, Oh, I could never do that. I could never be there. I could never be with them. And that's the end of the story. So that, that's a, a pagam, a blemish in this notion called Emunat Chachamim. Right? That you don't, that they don't impress you with the idea that you also are able to rise to the, to the occasion. Okay, enough, enough then. So this is what Rav Nachman, said. Rav Nachman said that there are three levels of faith. Right? One is some, that abstract notion that, that God is there and God is in charge of the world, and that's very difficult. It's very difficult for people who are busy with all kinds of things, a very difficult level of appreciation to, to achieve. And the second level is emunat chachamim. You're able to see in the chachamim, you're able to see with the chachamim, that it's possible, the third level, where you're able to convince yourself that by emulating the Chachamim, by emulating her, you'll be able to get to that, to that level of understanding. So we go back to Moshe Rabbeinu. Go back to Moshe Rabbeinu. God said, V'sham'u l'kolecha. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, Okay, V'sham'u l'kolecha. But my job, as I understand it, is not to get them physically out of Mitzrayim, to move them from one venue to another. Even if moving them out of Mitzrayim will give them a great uh, a solace and, and they make life more pleasant and they won't be slavers, even that, that can't be my job. My job my job is to raise them spiritually, to make sure they understand that all of these makot are not coming from a God, but that they are coming from God. That they are coming from the God who promised Yitziat Mitzrayim to Avram and Yitzchak and Yaakov. They're coming from that God. And the only way to do that is if they have emunat chachamim, according to Rav Nosson. Emunat chachamim, they can look at me they look at me and they say, oh, we could be like him. We could be with God, just like he is with God. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, Moshe Rabbeinu said to, to HaKadosh Baruch, we include Rashi, yes, they'll know that I know the code words. They'll know that I know what the promise was exactly. And maybe they'll even leave Mitzrayim together with me, right? But they're not going to believe. They lo Right? And therefore, therefore, God said, it'll be okay. And it was okay. Because after the Egyptians were drowned in Yamsuf, they achieved a level of, uh, a level of uh, sanctity, spirituality, you call it, which enabled them to sing. Singing, as you know, Singing is, is different than prose. Like prose, well, everything's very complicated. I'm going to say, say something simple. I'm sorry. Prose is when you say what you want to say. And poetry is when you say what you want to say, but you hope 
that the reader will understand what you really want to say. And Shira, right, this, which is poetry, is where you understand Davar Mitos Davar, you understand more than, than you, you know. And the critical line in Shirata Yam, to my mind, which I've said before, but I'd say it is an aside, the critical line in Shirata Yam, you want to take a stamp? No, don't. Hashem, uh, Mikdash, Hashem, Koninu Yadecha. Mikdash, the Beit HaMikdash. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem, Koninu Yadecha. You have, have made it for us. Why is that the critical, the critical uh, word, the critical pasuk? Because that's the pasuk that says, yes, we thank God for what you've done, for the victory over the Egyptians, for taking us into the desert, for bringing us in the direction of Har Sinai. He says, but the critical point is that we, that we are fully confident that the future is assured as the present. We are as confident about the future as we are about the present, and that's called emunah. That's what it's called. Right? And so, Vayaminu Vashem of Moshe means that B'nai Yisrael suddenly realized who Moshe Rabbeinu was. And that Moshe Rabbeinu would enable them, according to the model of Rav Nosson, that Moshe Rabbeinu would enable them to achieve Ayaminu Vashem. That even the, and suddenly the, the Chachamim talk about the Shifcha al you know, the maidservant saw and Yam what, what even prophets were not able to see at the various, at various times. So at that moment when the Jews are singing Shira, where they're saying, they're saying, they're seeing more than the words tell them. They come to this great conclusion that Mikdash Hashem Kodinuya death of the past tense, that there's no difference between the future and the past, that the future is just as certain as the past, and the promise is certainly going to be going to be delivered on a platter, you know, to to B'nai Israel. Have a good Shabbos.